0: Father, I believe with all my heart that you have something for every person in this room, that there's not one single person who's walked in that is here on accident, that there's not anyone here that you're like, who is that, I'm sorry, I don't know you. But God, that you created every one of us and you have a plan for us. And as we celebrate the birth of Jesus, your son, that you sent him here for every single one of us. You didn't just send him here for a couple, but every one of us. Lord, I ask that as you led the the shepherds by a star, God, and you drew them into your presence to to be with Jesus, I ask that you would, Holy Spirit, lead us into your presence today, that we would see, see you and encounter you in such a real, tangible way. We give you this time. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Matthew 12, Matthew twelve, eighteen through 21. Look at my servant whom I have chosen. He is my beloved who pleases me. I will put my spirit upon him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not fight or shout or raise his voice in public he will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. Finally, he will cause justice to be victorious and his name will be the hope of all the world. John 1, 5. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it.
2: Amen. Hope, I love that that says that his name, Jesus, his name will be the hope of all the world. There were hundreds of years between the prophecies of Jesus, many of the prophecies in Isaiah, like the one that we just read that was from the book of Matthew, but it's referencing Isaiah 42. Hundreds of years between those prophecies until their fulfillment. In the book of Luke, we read about two people, we won't call them elderly, we'll just say they were seasoned with age, Simeon and Anna, and they were both waiting faithfully for the promised Messiah, the savior, who would be the hope of all the world. And they actually got to see the fulfillment of that prophecy, of that promise, with their very own eyes before they died. They got to see hope personified in an infant. But we need hope because we don't always see the fulfillment of the things that we hope for in our lifetime. In scripture, hope is not just an emotion, it was an action of waiting with expectation, with confidence that the very thing that you are believing for is actually going to happen one day, even if you don't see it happen in your lifetime. And I like to think that hope back then was more true than sometimes hope or what we think is hope today. Ancient hope was generational. You believed and hoped for things that the next generation might see Promises that maybe your grandchildren would walk into. Sometimes modern day hope can just be more like uh, selfish desires. I hope I get this for Christmas. I hope they like the presents I got them. I hope I get that new job. I hope, I hope, I hope. But that's a different kind of hope. And sometimes culturally, in our culture, hope is more like holding your breath and you've got your fingers crossed. I hope but ancient hope was waiting expectantly for relief for deliverance sacred hope is waiting with confidence for the fulfillment of promises i like to think of holy hope is waiting with an ache In Hebrew, there's several words for hope. One word for hope gives us a picture of a, a really tight cord or a strong rope, where hope is this attachment to an expected outcome. Another implies waiting with patience, waiting with pain, waiting with trust. Have you ever waited for something, a hope, a promise in pain? One word means strong enough to endure the tension of waiting. That means waiting with expectation of a miracle even when circumstances and maybe even other people, maybe even the own voices in your head say it will never happen. Hope is remaining faithful when others leave. It's enduring the unimaginable and not succumbing to despair. Hope was not just a feeling to the authors of scriptures. It was a steadfast confidence in the enduring character of God, whose ways are not our ways. When Jesus was born, hope was needed in Israel. The Jews were under an oppressive regime. And hope is really birthed in our darkest of times. In the history of mankind, whenever evil and death seem to reign, that is when hope is on the one hand most vulnerable and it's also the most powerful. Hope is needed when wars, slavery, racism, political corruption, when they seem to be in power, we need hope. Hope is needed when cancer or dementia Relational estrangement or death rob us of loved ones. In our own lives, when our pain in our body is debilitating, when addictions just seem to keep us bound, sometimes when just living each day, getting through each day seems too hard, that's when hope is needed the most and when hope is the most powerful. Hope is the waiting and the tension for the arrival of our Savior to come. And when he comes, we expect him to make wrong things right. It's this confidence that our Savior is not just going to make things right and that he eventually will come, but when he comes, he's actually with us in the tension as we wait for justice to be realized on the earth and as we wait for justice to be realized in our own lives. So at Christmas time, we can experience hope. Hope himself is with us. His name is Jesus. Hope defies evil. Hope that endures all, all things. Hope that expects that one day it will be made right. So today and all days, We rejoice because Jesus has come to remind us that evil does not get the final word. Death doesn't get the final word. And no matter what happens, darkness cannot overcome the light. I'm gonna read from Romans 15, 13. It's a very short prayer. If you just wanna close your eyes. Um, Actually, will you stand with me? Let's stand as we do the prayer. I'm praying this for you today, and I believe you can pray this over yourself. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit.
0: the passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. I've spent a lot of my life wanting peace. But usually what I'm wanting is the absence of a storm. And so I've spent the majority of my life trying to fight off storms as if by me putting my hand in the water and twirling it around, somehow the water is going to calm. Or by me pushing my face into the wind, somehow the wind is just going to stop. And how much energy I've wasted trying to calm storms. When Jesus didn't come really to stop the wind of my life or to stop the wave. What he came to do is to bring peace inside of each one of us. And that we would find peace in the midst of the storm. That we wouldn't decide to surrender our life to Jesus Christ as somehow is a way to prevent anything bad from happening to us. That by it we'll never have financial struggle We'll never have relational struggle. We'll never uh, have a health difficulty. No one will ever harm us, take something from us because we love Jesus. What our faith is in, what our hope is in, that in the midst of those storms and in those struggles that we can still find an eternal peace that comes from Jesus alone. In that portion of scripture from Isaiah it says a child is born to us. That's what we celebrate. But also given to us. He's called the prince of peace. His government and its peace will never end. Nothing will ever take it away. It will never go anywhere. A couple other verses. John 16, 33 I have told you all this. This is Jesus talking. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have trials, many trials and sorrows. He's telling us it's going to happen. But he says, but take heart because I have overcome the world. So all these things are going to happen. But take heart. But have peace. Because I have overcome the world. Philippians 4, verse 6 through 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. What is that prayer? It's a conversation where you and I give God whatever it is that we have. We give God our stress, we give God our worry. Tell God what you need and thank Him for what He has done. And it says, then. So that's in relation to once we stop worrying and we pray about everything, telling God what we need and we thank Him. It says, then you will experience God's peace. How do we find peace? We stop worrying we give what we're experiencing to him and it will exceed anything you can understand his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus Matthew 11:28 then Jesus said come to me all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens What's he going to do? He says he's going to give us rest. What is that rest? It is peace. He doesn't say, I'm going to take your worries. You won't have worries. You won't have burdens. You won't have sorrows. But what he does say is that he cares. He does say that he sees us. And he says, come to me. He doesn't say toughen up. He doesn't say, get bolder, fight a little harder, try a little more, get up a little earlier. He says, come to me. All of you who are weary and if you are carrying a heavy burden today, come to me and I will give you rest. I will give you peace. John 14, 27. He says, I am leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. You know what? Not only can it not give it, if it can't give it, it also can't take it away. You and I can reject it. We can refuse to accept it, and we can also push it away. The world, culture, can't give us that peace. And it also can't steal it from us because it's inside of us. And he says, so don't be troubled or afraid. If you'll stand again, if you're able, we're gonna sing another song and I wanna pray the scripture as a prayer over each one of us. As we say, Lord, let your peace come upon us. Let us give you what it is that burdens us and to trust in you. 2 Thessalonians 3.16. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you, give us his peace at all times in every situation. The Lord be with you all.
2: Isaiah 61. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captive and release from darkness the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. This is a prophecy that Jesus read, once again written hundreds of years before his life on earth. And on one Sabbath day, he goes into the synagogue in his hometown of Nazareth and he reads this And he announces to those who are listening, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus proclaimed this good news of a new kingdom where the poor instead of the rich are blessed. And that those who serve the most and lay down their lives for others are the greatest It's a kingdom where those suffering from broken hearts get their hearts tended to, and their hearts are healed. It's a kingdom where those that are enslaved and in bondage, whether in actual chains or chains of their own doing, chains of shame, would be set free from captivity. It's a kingdom where those who are wronged and those who have been taken advantage of, they would get to know the favor of God and the vengeance of God, the justice of God. A kingdom where those who mourn and grieve are comforted. God sent his beloved son to usher in this brand new kingdom and to take our ashes, the things that have died, the places of death, to take our mourning and take our despair from the way things have turned out. And in exchange, he offers us beauty, He offers us joy. He offers us praise. That is one of the most generous types of exchanges I can think of. And this is the kind of kingdom that God sent Jesus to usher in. And that's what we call the gospel, good news. This was good news worth celebrating. So about 30 years before this this day in the synagogue, An angel announces this good news to a young woman who would be the mother of this savior. And she would give birth to this son who would be called the son of God, the angel said. And he says he would rule over a kingdom that would never end. Shortly after that, angels announced good news we're celebrating to shepherds outside of Bethlehem where that baby was born and they tell them to go and visit this baby. And they let them know that this long-awaited Messiah baby is going to bring great joy to all people. Joy is definitely a response. It's a response to our circumstances sometimes. It's an overabundance of delight. It's not just a, a quiet happiness But it's happiness spilling out of a person. It's an expression of gladness that overflows. Um, It overflows the container, so to speak. Many times in the Old Testament, joy is mentioned with singing and shouting. Almost all throughout the psalm. Psalm 98.4 says, Shout for joy to the Lord. All the earth burst into jubilant song with music. Psalm 105, 43 says, he brought out his people with rejoicing, his chosen one with shouts of joy. Scripture also says that those who have sown in tears will one day reap with songs of joy. That's another type of exchange. Your tears become your joy later on. Joy is not just a response to amazing things going good in your life and getting a job that you wanted and maybe there's a wedding that happens. We celebrate at weddings. We celebrate at the birth of babies. We celebrate at graduations and promotions and birthdays. Sometimes joy is supernatural resilience. It's supernatural because it comes from God, but like Pete was saying, it's supernatural resilience in the storms of life. I know at Christmas time, you, you have both, both kinds of people, and maybe some people are in between, but you have the people that are like Buddy the Elf and they just love Christmas and they love all the things about Christmas and they're so excited. And then you have people that are walking through deep pain during Christmas time and they feel like everything is, seems kind of foolish. And sometimes joy can seem foolish if you've known pain and disappointment and loss or if you're going through it. Participating in joy can seem naive. You're creating these these Christmas memories for your children when people all around the world are dying and suffering. But in this new kingdom, God invites us to not only allow ourselves to feel joy as a response, but to realize that he is the giver of joy Joy comes from our good Father. It is a gift from him, and we get to experience the fullness of this gift in his presence. So whenever we invite him in to our space, whenever we invite him in to our circumstances, we can invite joy. Jesus came with purpose on earth thousands of years ago, like he said in that scripture verse, and he comes with purpose to us today. It's this beautiful exchange. Are you anxious? Do you still have presents to buy? Did your Christmas plans fall apart? Are you depressed and lonely and wishing you had people to spend Christmas with? Jesus invites you today to give him your anxiety to give him your depression. And then he gives you something else in return. He doesn't just leave you empty, he fills you with peace and he fills you with hope. Is your heart heavy with grief? Jesus invites us to come to him and to open our hearts up that have been closed. He says, open them up to me, let me heal you. Let me tend to your heart. Are you weary from trying to do it all? Moms, dads, anybody, teenagers, children, grandparents, anybody. Are you weary from trying to do it all or feeling like you have to um, be more than you feel like you are? Jesus invites us today. He says, loosen the grip of control that you think you have on things. Would you just open up your hands and would you give me those things that feel like too much And I would like to give you a gift. I would like to give you the gift of joy. We don't deserve it, and we can't earn it, but still, in his mercy and his grace, he gives it to us. And so he invites all of us today to participate in the joy of heaven and earth that's rejoicing that the promised king, the promised Messiah, that infant baby king, Has come and he's come for us. So let's pray. Um, Jude, in the book of Jude, not my son Jude, (laughs) Uh, will you guys stand with me? I love this little closing exhortation. It says, To him who is able to keep you from stumbling, and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen.
0: A reading from 1 John chapter 4 verses 9 through 10 and verse 19. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. We love each other because he loved us first. Anybody want to say the word of the Lord? Thanks be to God. In that portion of scripture, it said that God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son. Jesus coming and what we celebrate at Christmas is a love gift. It's a gift of acceptance. It's a gift of love. And this love that he has for us has always been, is currently right here in this room right now. His love for you is here and it exists. It's not something that you have to earn. It's not something that you have to go through all these steps to finally get it, to deserve it. It is right here, right now for each one of us and his love will always be. John chapter 15. Verse nine through 12 says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. He's saying that in the same way that God loves his son, Jesus Christ, is the same exact love, not just a portion of it, but the absolute complete amount is the same amount that he has for you and I. He says, remain in my love When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with what? My joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment, love each other in the same way I have loved you. How beautiful to know that his love for us is the exact same amazing, whatever other big words I could try to come up with, love that God had for his own son. And what he's asking us to do is to remain in that love. How do we remain in love? We stay at a place and we keep reminding ourselves, regardless of what's happening in our life, we remind ourselves that the truth is that God loves us. That what happens in our life, in the things that take place, don't, aren't there to show us whether or not he loves us. His love for us has always been, is currently right now, and forever will be. Last portion of scripture Romans chapter 8, verse 35 through 39 says, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Can anything? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity? Or if we are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours, through Christ, who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing, absolutely nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate you and I from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Going back to the first verse, remember, God showed how much he loved us by what? Sending his one and only son into the world. Will you stand again? If you're able. I'm going to read a portion of scripture. And then I reword it as a prayer. Lamentations 3, 22 through 24 says, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. Here's our prayer. Lord, your faithful love never ends. Your mercies never cease. Great is your faithfulness. Your mercies begin afresh each morning. Help me to say you are my inheritance. And therefore, help me to put my hope in you.
1: If those who are helping with communion this morning would come forward. In 1975... The first Christmas, Patty and I were married, I heard a story by Paul Harvey that bears repeating 48 years later. Now, the man to whom I am going to introduce you was not a Scrooge. He was a kind, decent, and mostly good man, generous to his family and upright in his Dealings with other men, but he just didn't believe all that incarnation stuff which the churches proclaim at Christmas time. It just didn't make sense, and he was too honest to pretend otherwise. He just couldn't swallow the the Jesus story about God coming to Earth as a man. I'm truly sorry to distress you. He told his wife, but I'm I'm not going to church with you this Christmas Eve. He said he'd feel like a hypocrite, that he'd much rather just stay at home, but that he would wait up for them. So he stayed, and they went to the midnight service. Shortly after the family drove away in their car, snow began to fall. He went to the window to watch the flurries, getting heavier and heavier and then went back to his fireside chair and starting reading his newspaper minutes later he was startled by a thudding sound then another and then then another sort of a, a thump or a thud at first he thought someone was throwing snowballs at his picture window When he went to the front door to investigate, he found a flock of birds huddled miserably in the snow. They'd been caught in the storm and, in a desperate search for shelter, had tried to fly through his large landscape window. Well, he couldn't let the poor creatures lie there and freeze, so he remembered the barn where his children kept their pony. That would provide a warm shelter if he could. Direct the birds to it. Quickly, he put on a coat and galoshes and trampled through the deepening snow to the barn. He opened the doors wide and turned on a light, but the birds did not come in. He figured food would entice them. So he hurried back to the house, fetched breadcrumbs, and sprinkled them on the snow, making a trail to the yellow-lighted, wide-open doorway of the stable. But to his dismay, the birds ignored the breadcrumbs and continued to flap around helplessly in the snow. He tried catching them. He tried shooing them into the barn by walking around and waving his arms. Instead, they scattered in every direction except into the warm, lighted barn. And then he realized, They were afraid of him. To them, he reasoned, I'm a strange and terrifying creature. If only I could think of some way to let them know that they can can trust me, that I'm not trying to hurt them, but to help them. But how? Because any move he made tended to frighten them, confuse them. They just would not follow they would not be led or shooed because they feared him. If only I could be a bird, he thought to himself, and, and mingle with them and speak their language, then I could tell them not to be afraid. Then I could, I could show them the way to the safe, warm, to the safe, warm barn but I'd have to be one of them so they could see and hear and understand. At that moment, the church bells began to ring. The sound reached his ears above the sound of the wind, and he stood there listening to the bells. Adeste fideles. Listening to the bells pealing the glad tidings of Christmas. And he sank to his knees in the snow. Let's grab the elements together and let's pray. God, you became one of us. You showed us the way through your son, Jesus. That's why we take communion. We remember what you did for us, your body, your blood, breadcrumbs, and juice that lead us back to you. Let's take the elements together. Merry Christmas, everyone.
0: We have talked about hope. We've talked about peace. We've talked about joy. We've talked about love. Before that, I want to say thank you to especially all you parents of young kids. Because I want you to know that it brings tomorrow night's heart joy when we hear your kids crying, when we hear them laughing, and where we hear them making noise. So please do not ever feel guilty about it. And if you had to take, if you are in the lobby right now with your kids, I want to say thanks for coming. And thank you for pushing through. I know From experience that sometimes in things like this, it's why did we even do this? Was it worth it? I want you to know that you made a difference today and I am glad that you are here. Hope. What is our hope in? Our hope is in Jesus. Our hope is in eternity. Each one of us is headed home. We're not home right now. Home is when we're with our Father. Home is when we get there. That is only when we will find complete hope, complete peace, complete joy. That is where we find complete healing. You and I can be healed of things momentarily here on earth, but it is only home that we really experience it, and that is what we put our hope in. It's not just that tomorrow everything in our life will be better. It's that we are here on this earth with the honor to live for Jesus Christ, to be his hands and feet but our hope is in where we're going. Peace. Peace comes from Jesus, and it comes when we surrender what's going on in our life to him and allow his peace to come in. The storm might exist around each one of us, but the peace is inside joy. Joy is a gift from God. And it is something that we choose. And it is something that is contagious and something that he wants us to spread. He wants it to be something that goes all around. Love, Jesus that we celebrate at Christmas, is a gift, the ultimate love gift. The biggest love gift that has ever come to the world came to each one of us. And that love has always been It is absolutely currently right here for each one of us right now, and it is going to be there for you tomorrow. So let's rest in that love, accept that love, and let's honor it by loving one another well. Yep, even those that are difficult. And I have a feeling some of you in the next couple days, God's going to give you a great opportunity for that very thing. I'm going to close with two scriptures as prayers. Psalms 33:20 20 through 22. We put our hope in the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. Let your unfailing love surround us, Lord, for our hope is in you alone. We already read it once, Romans 15, 13. I pray that God, the source of all hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Merry Christmas. Say hello to a couple people on your way out. We love you very much and thank you so much for being here today.